I would like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 24 and verses 36 through 43 will be the text that we will be looking at this morning, Luke chapter 24 and verses 36 through 43. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's okay. There are Bibles in the chairs in front of you if you want to use one of them. I'll also be reading everything, so you can also follow along. If you're not familiar with the Bible or don't know how to use one, we want you to know that's okay. Just follow along as I share with you this morning. We have just spent the last month in our missions conference And then next week, we will pick up again on our series on the book of Ephesians. But this is Resurrection Day. And I want to focus on the glory of our Savior's resurrection and why it is important to us. In the Gospel of Luke, in Luke's resurrection narrative in chapter 24, we read this. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Well, our first point this morning is a dramatic arrangement. Luke has arranged the material of his resurrection account, chapter 24, in a dramatic fashion. It's wonderful just to read through Luke chapter 24. The events are building with intensity as you read through this particular chapter. First, in verses 1 through 12, the women find the tomb empty. The tomb where they had seen him laid is empty. And they see angels, literal Angels appear to them and proclaim, these angels proclaim, he is not here, but he has risen. In verses 13 through 35, Luke tells us that Jesus appeared to two of his followers on the road that goes from Jerusalem to Emmaus. In verse 34, we are told the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And in today's passage, Jesus appears to a whole group of his disciples. In verse 36, which I just read for you, it says, as they were talking about these things. Cleopas, who is one of the two disciples that were with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, he's the only one that's named, the other one is unnamed. So Cleopas and another disciple returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those gathered with them. That's what we learn in Luke chapter 24. And they were told that Jesus had appeared to Peter also. Then they told their own story about how they had encountered Jesus. This is the evening 
of the first day of the week. And it says, as they were talking about these things. As they were talking about what had happened to the women. As they told how the women had seen the angels. Who said, he is not here, he is risen. As they talked about what these two had encountered when they walked with Jesus and when they broke bread with Jesus. As they talked about the fact that Peter had seen Jesus. As they were talking about these things, we then read, Jesus himself stood among them. In the middle of their conversation, Jesus appears in their midst. Jesus just shows up. Now in the Gospel of John, we are told, that the doors were locked to this room for fear of the Jews. Apparently, in his resurrection body, Jesus could transport himself quickly from one place to another and could walk through walls. And so there he is as they are talking together and he appears before them. Jesus spoke to the whole group and said, Peace to you. So Jesus appears before them and says peace to you. He immediately seeks to put his followers at ease. Now William Hendrickson in the Baker New Testament commentary series on the book of Luke writes this. He says, when these words flow from his lips, they must not be interpreted as a mere how do you do. The reference is to the peace which Jesus obtained for all his people by his death on the cross. When he says peace to you, this isn't merely shalom. I wish you wholeness and well-being. It is more than that. He is saying that he has come to bring them peace with God. Jesus came to bring us a peace that passes all understanding. And so when he rises from the dead and he meets with the eleven because Judas has already committed suicide. When he meets with the eleven and those who are gathered there, he says to them, peace to you. And then we read the disciples were frightened, or excuse me, were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Notice that. In verse 37, but they were startled and frightened. And they thought they saw a spirit. In the New International Version, it says they thought they saw a ghost. Now, a few of them had seen Jesus. They had already seen him. They were all rejoicing that he was alive. So why? So why are they startled and frightened? I mean, this is what they were talking about. They were talking about that Jesus is alive. They were talking about all the things that had just happened. And yet when he shows up, it says they're startled and they're frightened. Well, obviously, for some, it had to do with the sudden nature of his appearance. But for many in that room, oh, it is one thing to hear that Jesus is alive. It is quite another thing to see him for yourself. Oh, what a scene that must have been. They talked about him being alive. Did you hear he's risen from the dead? Did you hear what the women said? Did you hear about the angels Did you hear about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? Did you hear about what happened to Peter, that he saw Jesus alive? And then all of a sudden, there is Jesus among them. And Jesus asks a very important question. Why are you troubled? 
And why do doubts arise in your hearts? My followers, my disciples, those of you who have been so loyal to me, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Well, our second point this morning is a presentation of important evidence. Jesus presents his disciples with actual, physical evidence that he is alive. Folks, I want you to know as you read through this portion of the Gospel of Luke, these events that are happening here are not unimportant. They are not incidental. They are essential. And I want you to know that these Happenings. What he does before them right now is not incidental. It is essential. He shows them his hands and his feet. He wants them to see what has come to be known in Christian theology as the stigmata. See where the nails were in my hands and in my feet. And then he says, touch me. Touch me and see. And he says this. A spirit does not have flesh and bones. I want you to really hone in on that with me this morning because it's essential to everything else I'm going to share with you. The end of verse 39, he says, For a spirit, a ghost, does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Now it says the disciples still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. So Jesus asked, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. I want everyone here to think that when Jesus appears before the eleven and those that are gathered with them, they see him, they talk to him, they touch him, and he eats, he eats before them. Oh, there is much about the resurrection body of Jesus that we don't understand, how he could transport himself, how he could walk through walls. You may be wondering this morning, why did he still have the nail prints in his hands and his feet if he was in a perfect glorified body? I preached an entire sermon on that a number of years ago. And just to put it succinctly, even though he's in his perfect glorified body, he is always, always the lamb slain for our sins and will be throughout all of eternity. He will always have the nail prints in his hands and in his feet. But know this, even though there is much about his resurrection body that we don't understand, I want you to know this morning that they saw him, they talked to him, they touched him, and he ate right before their eyes. Well, our third point this morning is a bodily resurrection. It is very important that every Christian understand that our belief in the resurrection of Christ is a belief in a literal bodily resurrection. That is absolutely crucial to the Bible's teaching, absolutely crucial to Christian theology. 
Again, I want every person here to understand that our belief in the resurrection is a belief in a literal bodily resurrection. Why do I say that? Because throughout church history, liberal theologians and other false teachers have taught that the resurrection of Jesus was simply an idea or a concept. Some have taught that it was an imaginary vision and some have taught that it was simply a spiritual resurrection, that he just somehow spiritually arose from the dead, didn't actually rise in his body. Of course, at the heart of their teachings is a refusal to believe in the supernatural and a refusal to believe the word of God. So I want us to look at the question this morning. Why is a literal bodily resurrection important to us? Why is that so important to us as Christians? I want to give you four reasons. There are more that could be given. This could be much, much longer. But I'm going to give you four of the most important reasons why you, as a Christian, must believe in a literal bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. First of all, it is the basis for our own future resurrection. Jesus rose in his body. His body is now glorified. It is now perfect. And so it will be with us. This could get a little bit complicated. And I don't want to go there this morning. But based on the teaching of the New Testament, especially the book of Revelation, this is what I believe is going to happen. When you die, if you were to die tomorrow, you would go to heaven, immediately to heaven, and you would be given a temporary body. And then at the resurrection of the last day, our actual bodies, these bodies, my body, your body, they are going to be resurrected. And you are going to live in a perfected, glorified body. Your body, this body right here, your body that you have right now, you are going to live in that body, glorified and perfected for all of eternity. And for me to be able to say that, Jesus had to rise bodily from the dead. Our bodies were created by God. They are important to God, and they will ultimately be redeemed. Doesn't matter whether you were buried or burned or blown up, whatever happened to your body, God is going to reconstruct your body at the resurrection. Now, some of you may be saying, oh my, Pastor Tim, I was hoping for a different body (laughs) when I get to heaven. I was hoping I'd be a little taller. I was hoping I'd be a little slimmer. I was hoping I'd be a little better looking than I was here on earth. Well, don't worry. Don't worry. Put all that aside because your body will be perfect. It will be glorified. You won't have to worry about any of those things. You know, In the month of March, we did two funeral services for two, oh, devout, long-time members of this church, Al Law and Jerry Bishop. And when I met with those families and we prepared for those funeral services, we rejoiced that we will see Al again. And we're going to see Jerry again. You know how we can say that? Because Jesus 
rose in the same body in which he died. And Jerry and Al are going to live all of eternity in perfected, glorified bodies. And I can say, as surely as we meet together, we will see them again. Second, why is it important that we believe in a literal bodily resurrection? It is the evidence that Jesus conquered all aspects of death. It is the evidence that Jesus conquered all aspects of death. All around us, everything around us is decaying and dying. Everything. Buildings are getting old. Cars are rusting. This earth is getting old. We are dying and we are decaying. Everything around us. But I want you to know something. That because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, everything is one day going to be redeemed. If you want a fascinating study, go to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, it says there that all of creation, right now, all of creation is groaning, waiting for our redemption, our adoption as the children of God. Because when the children of God are fully redeemed, so will all the earth. Did you know all of earth is going to be renewed again because of the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? In the book of Revelation, it says that there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Everything is going to be renewed. All of creation. Every aspect of the universe. You know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for that glorious day. When, they, when the universe is going to be renewed. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So he is going to renew all things. And he is going to renew us. Not just spiritually but also physically. And let me say again, your body is important to God because he created it. And one day it will be perfected and it will be glorified. Third, belief in a literal bodily resurrection is important because it is essential to the accomplishment of our salvation. When Jesus died on that cross, the Bible tells us that he took our sins upon himself in his body on a tree, meaning the cross itself. He suffered not just spiritually, but he suffered physically. And the Bible tells us about his physical suffering. It was essential that he suffered physically and that he rose physically Oh, accomplishing our salvation and overcoming our sin and death. I think of Isaiah chapter 53, which is considered perhaps the single most important chapter in all of the Bible on the suffering of Christ. And it says that he was bruised for our iniquities and he was crushed for our transgressions. How could that happen? Unless he died and took upon himself our sins in his body on the cross. Fourth, belief in a literal bodily resurrection is important because anything less than a bodily resurrection is no resurrection at all. Anything less than a bodily resurrection is no resurrection at all. Anyone could say, 
They rose spiritually. Someone could say, well, you know, Buddha died, but he rose spiritually. They could say Muhammad died, but he rose spiritually. They could say Vladimir Lenin died, but, you know, he rose spiritually. Anybody could say someone rose spiritually. Jesus didn't just rise spiritually. There is only one, only one in the history of the universe who has totally conquered sin and death. Jesus Christ is alive, and he is alive in the body in which he lived, now perfected and now glorified. He is the only one who has had a true bodily resurrection from the dead. And so throughout the history of the church, throughout the history of Christian theology, we have always believed this. Jesus Christ was raised to life on the third day by the power of God the Father. We have always believed that he rose again from the dead in the same body in which he suffered and died. We have always believed that the resurrection was the guarantee of the Father's acceptance of the Son's work and indicated that the work of the cross was complete. I was listening to Al Mohler, the president of Southern Seminary. He has a weekday podcast that I listen to. And on Friday's podcast, toward the end of it, he was talking about the importance of the bodily resurrection of Christ. And I thought, oh, what a fitting conclusion to the study that I had been doing on this. And he told the story of when he was in a class on evangelism. And the professor was asked by one of the students, what if a Christian does not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? And he said, the professor turned and said to that student, then that person, my friend, is not a Christian. That's how important it is. If you do not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved. You cannot be born again. He suffered and died for our sins, and then he rose victoriously in the same body in which he died. Jesus said to his disciples, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? As you face the reality of death, which all of us should, because we are going to die. As you face the reality of death, you need to wrestle with the same question that Jesus asked the disciples. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? If you are to be saved, if you are to know Christ as your Savior, with the eyes of faith, you must see him alive in his body. In the pages of Scripture, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the eyes of faith, we, we are to look at the resurrected body of Jesus and believe. Let me say that again. In the pages of Scripture, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the eyes of faith, we today are to look at the resurrected body of Jesus and believe.
And if you are to be saved, if you are to be born again, if you are to be redeemed, you must be able to say, I believe that Jesus is alive right now. And that he has conquered sin and death. This week I was reading an article on the website, the Gospel Coalition. It was an article that was primarily written to pastors. And in the article it said, as you prepare to preach on Easter Sunday, we have a couple of admonitions for you. Don't get cute. Don't think that you're going to say something that hasn't been said before. That you're going to find some new truth that hasn't been preached on before because preachers have been preaching about the resurrection for over 2,000 years. No, they said. Show how glorious his resurrection is and then tell them why it is so important. There is... One of the things I like to do, I don't know how you do it, but there are certain verses I have in my, what I call, it's my online bring-up file. that I just like, every once in a while, I bring them up so that I remember them. And there are quotes that I have heard over the years that are important to me that I need to read and reread and reread. This is one of those quotes that I'm going to share with you. It comes from Tim Keller. It's from his book, The Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism. He writes this. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. I like that. The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not, whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. When Jesus appeared to the eleven and to those gathered with them, They saw him. They talked to him. They touched him. And he ate. He ate right before their very eyes. Do you know why? Because he's alive. Right now, Jesus is alive in the same body in which he died, now glorified now perfected. The only way you can be saved, the only way you can come to God is you must believe that Jesus suffered and died for your sins. And then he rose from the dead three days later and is now alive, having fully accomplished your salvation. Do you know him? Have you ever received Christ as your Savior and Lord? Have you ever said, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I can't save myself. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I believe with all my heart that you died for my sins and that you are alive. If you are willing to pray that prayer, you will be saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
let us reaffirm as the church of Jesus Christ with our brothers and sisters throughout all history that Jesus Christ is alive. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. As he lives, so shall we live, for he is the first fruits of our own resurrection. Thank you that he completely conquered sin and death. Thank you that he is alive, not only accomplishing our salvation, but alive for us right now to talk to him, to go to him, to trust in him, to let him guide every aspect of our lives. Oh, we thank you for a resurrected and living Savior in whose name we pray. Amen.